0: Thank you for that, brother. I invite you to open your Bible, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 1. Romans, chapter 1. Tremendous book, the book of Romans. And uh, here in chapter 1, we are given such depth of learning in the Scriptures. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and of salvation. It was this word power that was uh, the Greek word behind it. Uh, dynamis, which is translated um, as power, but was used by um, uh, that inventor of dynamite there, and uh, that's what he—that's where he got the name from, called it dynamite. And that's what the gospel is; it helps, it helps get people saved. Verse 17: For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Now watch this: From faith to faith, from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith, God is interested in faith, men don't get saved by works, men like to do works, they like to uh, get baptized, they like to join the church, they like to give money, they like to try and keep the ten commandments, they like to keep the golden rule, they they like to do good works and then thinking that these things should merit them some place in heaven. These do not. That's not what gets anyone to heaven. Heaven belongs to God. We haven't a snowball's chance in a furnace of getting to heaven. It is impossible for us to get to heaven. Absolutely, totally, 100% impossible. We cannot get to heaven. But heaven can come to us. God can give it to us. God can give us eternal life. And that's how people get to heaven. Because it's a gift. God makes it a gift. So, well, how do you receive the gift? Well, you have to believe the gospel. The gospel says all have sinned. Every human being is a sinner. And you have to believe that. The wages of sin is death. That means to die and go to hell. <gasps> Even me? Yep. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. You have to believe that because that's what God says is the truth. But then he says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift. A gift. You either receive it or you don't receive it. And if you receive it, your eternal heaven and security, it's, it's all looked after. You are safe. If you reject it, if you put it off, this is as good as rejecting it. Put it off, put it off, put it off. One day you can't put it off any longer because you're dead. And you lift up your eyes in hell. That's sad news, folks. There's a lot of people that ought to be in heaven but are in hell. It has nothing to do with good works. It all has to do with the fact that they never believed that they were truly a sinner. They never believed that God would actually put them in hell. You break the law, you stand before a judge. You're a good old boy, judge. You, you'll let me off free and clear, won't you? judge says, well, I like to think I'm a good old boy, but... I can't let you off. I've taken an oath of office. You broke the law, sir. You have to pay the penalty. And God is the judge of judges. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us. The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you've never received the gift of God, of eternal life through Jesus Christ, you've never repented of your sin and received Christ, you need to do that, my friend. That's your biggest need. You need that more than you need tomorrow's breakfast. You need that more than you need even the next uh, uh, beat of your heart or or breath of your lung. You need Jesus Christ. And that's really the the main thing here. But he says, faith to faith. uh, The just shall live by faith. God is interested in faith. You believe by faith. You receive by faith. And you live by faith. God wants us to live by faith. If you're here today and you know the Lord is your Savior, there's a time in your life where you did repent of your sin and you were born again and you know it. Because when you get born again, you do know it. If I came to live in your house, you would know it. And if Christ comes to live in your heart, you will know it. And so if you're here today and you can say to me, Pastor, I know it. There's a time in my life where I repented of my sin, trusted Christ, He came into my life, I'm born again, He's given me new life. I know I'm saved. Hallelujah for that. Now God wants us to keep on moving ever higher, higher, from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. Uh, It says in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11, but without faith, it is impossible to please Him. We're told in the Bible, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Jesus said to a couple of men, He said, according to your faith, be it unto you. faith is very important. My job today is to try and strengthen your faith and encourage you in the faith. We've got exciting days ahead of us. And the only way that we're going to be able to keep up and to be more than conquerors is by faith. That's going to be the answer. Let's have a word of prayer together and we'll look at this message, faith to faith. Heavenly Father, help us now to really put our heart and mind onto these words of Scripture from faith to faith. Search our hearts, O God, and see if there be anything holding us back from living by faith. Father, I pray you would strengthen the faith of every believer here. And if there be one, and I kind of think there is, who's not yet been born again, that you'd please speak to that heart and grant them the gift of faith to believe the gospel and be saved today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you an interesting story. Back in 1829, there was born a famous Apache leader. By the name of Geronimo. His mother named him Geronimo. As I understand in the Indian culture, uh, the mother would do the naming based upon something she saw. You say, well, what what does the name Geronimo mean? It means the one who yawns. Why in the world would his mother name him the one who yawns? Maybe it has something to do with his no good deadbeat father. (laughs) Poor attempted humor there. However, a few years go by, and 1848, the Americans begin settling in Apache lands after the war with Mexico, and Geronimo, who was a young man at that time, began leading some raids and attacks, and soon he rose to prominence. Once, while making a very daring escape, he made this big leap in order to get uh, away from the U.S. cavalry. Uh, This happened at Medicine Bluffs in Oklahoma, and apparently, according to historical records, Geronimo supposedly shouted out his name as he leapt, as he leaped away from the U.S. cavalry. Geronimo! And he leaped, you see? Now, fast forward the clock, to World War II. D-Day, 1944, when they uh, invaded uh, the beaches of Normandy. And uh, the Americans were training the paratroopers, the young men that would jump out of the planes, with parachutes. And so they were training them. Uh, Colonel um, Howard Johnson was training the 501st paratroopers. And uh, these young men would get up in these tall towers and practice jumping off. Uh, They had some kind of lines and whatever to protect them, but they were jumping off in practice for D-Day. And at some point, the young men got it into their head to shout Geronimo. And so these guys all started. It just... Caught like wildfire. And they would jump off this tower. Geronimo! 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 And they would jump off. And later they jumped out of planes over Europe. Yelling Geronimo! As the paratroopers would jump out. And so this word now, Geronimo, Has sort of come to mean something daring. Something very brave. And you know in the Bible we have a lot of men and women who did a lot of daring, brave things for God. Did you know that? Let me tell you a couple of them. One is Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt through the Red Sea. And by the way, they did that by faith. Joshua later led the children of Israel out of the wilderness and into the promised land. Again, by faith. The children of Israel followed Joshua by faith. Caleb, at 80 years of age, went after to capture a mountain He said, I want that mountain, it belongs to me. Made it into our hymn book even. Caleb, 80 years young. I want that mountain. Daring exploit for God. Young David, before he was king, had to escape out of the hand of King Saul and for many years he ran and hid for his life and did exploits until he finally became king of Israel. Daniel, who left Jerusalem and went into Babylonian captivity, The three Hebrew men who risked death in the fiery oven rather than fall down and worship that pagan god that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Nehemiah, as he rushed back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. And remember that story, they did a miracle in rebuilding all those walls in such a short time because the people had a mind to work. They all had a mind and a heart. This is a work for God. Let's get it done. They rolled up their sleeves and in record time, they accomplished a miracle for God. The early disciples, after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, then Jesus went back to heaven. We call that the ascension. Jesus' ascension. After that, the disciples went forth to preach the gospel into the world. and You know, they did this by faith. And it's like they did it from faith to faith. Faith to faith. Faith to faith. It's almost as if they cried Geronimo as they leapt. From faith to faith, and from faith to faith, and from faith to faith. Now the message today is from faith to faith. Our future as a church, our future as a church on fire for God has never been brighter. Folks, God has grown us up. You who are parents, you have your babies, and they're supposed to act like babies. And then when they get to be children, little older children, they're supposed to act like children. And when they get to be teenagers, they're supposed to act like teenagers. And when they become young men and women, they're supposed to act like young men and women. Is that right or wrong? That's the way it's supposed to go. It doesn't always go that way, but that's the way it's supposed to go. When they turn 20 years of age, you don't expect them to act like a 60-year-old, but you expect them to act like a 20-year-old. And 20 is long enough to know right from wrong, right? To be responsible, hold down jobs, and, and be trustworthy. Here we are. We're 20. Our 20th birthday is just coming in a few weeks. Our church is is 20 years old. We're old enough, folks, to be able to really go out and serve God now. Everything else to this point has been great. We've had so much fun. But now we've got a task ahead of us. Some of these missionaries that we support, they stand here behind the pulpit, almost fresh out of Bible college, giving their lives. Geronimo! Geronimo! to leap halfway around the world and take the gospel to people that have never heard about Jesus. They're old enough. They're trained. Here we are, 20. We're old enough, folks. We can really do something for God in this city. We've never been able to do what we can do now. We're old enough, and I like to think we're wise enough. It's time for all good Christian men and women to get on the bandwagon of faith. The prospects ahead of us require that we rise to a new level of faith. It's no good for us to go backwards. This church actually had its inception in the living room of my house 20 years ago. In the living room, there were six of us, my family of five and one old lady. We sat in the living room. My first pulpit was a cardboard box. I preached the word of God. Well, it wasn't too long before we got out of that place. And we got into the Bear Creek Park Pavilion. And from there we went to 9061 King George. We kept growing and growing. Then we moved across the street over here. And we kept growing and we outgrew that. And then eight years ago we moved in here. Well, what's the sense in going back to the old place half the size of this? Or what's the sense in going back to the other place half the size of that? What's the sense in going right back to the living room? What's that? That's not right. That's no good. That's not God's plan. God's plan for us is to go into all the world, preach the gospel, to be fruitful and multiply, to grow. It was Jabez who prayed to God, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Oh, Jabez, can't you be happy with what you've got? No, it's for God. Jabez was a freedom fighter. He wasn't wanting it for himself, selfishly. He was wanting to help conquer the land for God. Jabez was a freedom fighter. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed and enlarge my coast and that thy thy hand might be with me to keep me from evil, that it might not grieve me. What does that mean? It means, Lord, don't let my people die. Don't let my people die in battle. Keep your hand upon us. Don't let it grieve me. You know, sometimes I get grieved when good people leave the church. As a pastor, it hurts. It grieves me. Can't help but, sorry. sorry, it's the way I am. I want to see things grow. It's the same, say, for a, a parent. Maybe their, their child gets into sin and leaves home It grieves the parent. Or the child dies. You've got to bury a child. Worst thing ever for a parent is to have to bury the child. Worst thing ever. My opinion only. Well, I don't want to see us shrivel. I want to see us grow and be everything God wants us to be. I know that there are some Christians that they go to a church and they say, oh, that's a nice size, I like this size, let's just stay this size. Well, the child, you know, some of your golden years, you know this as parents, when your children are, say, between four and maybe ten years of age, approximately, give or take, those are wonderful years, golden years. Mom and dad, wow, they're the greatest people in the whole world. You have so much fun, Kids are so creative, they get into little problems, but you know, you correct them and away you go, and it's a family. Those are your golden years. Then your kids grow. Oh, don't grow, don't grow, don't grow. Or you're saying no to the plan of God, my friend. This church started with six people. We we have about 230 people, names on the register now, who come regular and semi-regular. We're about 230, something like that boy, we can't fit in the living room anymore. And some people say, well, I like the size of this. If it gets any bigger, I'm out of here. And that's why some people leave churches. Because the church grows. Reach more lost souls. Get them saved. Get them baptized. Added to the church like God's plan says. Oh, it's bigger. I'm leaving. Not a good reason to leave a church, folks. Again, my opinion only. But on that one, I'm right. The time has come for us to say Geronimo and to rise to a higher level by faith so God can really use us. Now, you might say, well, that's all well and good, Pastor, but how are we going to rise from this level to the next level? I'm glad you asked that. Turn in the Old Testament, please, to the book of Psalms. Go to Psalm 84. Psalm 84. I want you to read a verse out loud with me. We're going to read verse 11. Psalm eighty four eleven. Read it out loud with me, please. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Now it says here, no good thing. Good in the widest sense possible. It means favor. It means bounty. It means salvation of loved ones. It means that and a whole lot more. And we've already seen many good things as a church. This building is a good thing. We could not grow and hold these size of crowds in the old building. It was too small. The child grows. Hey, look. Mom, look. Junior's pants are too small. He's outgrowing them again. we got to get new pants. Can't let them down anymore. we got to go to the store and buy new pants. Oh, look. He's walking funny. His feet are growing. His shoes are too small. Funny how clothes shrink, isn't it? And uh, the building shrinks. You know, this building is starting to shrink. I believe that we have people that have come and gone because we're packing the building. Boy, you should have seen our, one of our parking lots two buildings ago. How we had to park the cars in edgewise any way we could to get the cars in. That was really crazy. We've got a lot more parking now, but we're still getting full. Building is getting smaller. This building that we're in now, though, was a real blessing of God. Our Bible college, now in its seventh year, is a wonderful blessing. It's one of our children. We'd never give up one of our children. We love the Bible college. The bus ministry... In its fifth year now, praise the Lord, we're stronger than ever before. And look at how many missionaries God has allowed us to support. Never before in our history we had such joy. And by the way, folks, I want to remind you, we've got one lonely missionary over there. Look at him. Look at him over there. It's got that piece of paper hanging. It means no one has adopted the missionary. All these other 73 missionaries are being prayed for. That one's not. We need someone to take that piece of paper, fill it out, give it to Mrs. White. She'll make up the adoption paper booklet for you and give it to you. And then you pray for that missionary every day. All the missionaries need prayer. So how in the world did we get all of these good things? Well, look at it again. Psalm eighty-four, eleven: Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold. Does it stop there? Yes or no? No, it doesn't stop. It keeps on going. It says, from them that walk uprightly. Uprightly speaks of integrity. It speaks of character. The word has the idea of meaning sincere. And, well, let's say without blemish before God. Them that walk uprightly. It refers to a life given to God for God's purpose and God's glory. And I'll show you how we do that if you go back to the New Testament. Go back to uh, the book of Romans we started there. Go to Romans and please go to chapter 12. This is how we do it. This is how we are able to walk uprightly. And when we walk uprightly, God will give us all good things. But before he gives us all good things, we need to walk uprightly. How do we do that? Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you. The word beseech means to plead and beg. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and God has been very merciful to all of us, folks, that ye present your bodies. That's that physical thing that you brought to church with you. You're sitting in it right now. Your body, your physical body. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You may not be able to reason it out now, but I'm telling you in heaven, you're going to look back and say, man, that was reasonable. That was the reasonable thing to do. It can be reasoned out. It's the logical, proper thing to do is to give your body to God. If, you, if you've never done that, do that today. Give God your body. Give Him your body as a gift so that He can work through your body. He can live through your body. This is the whole secret of Christianity. It's not trying to be good, goody-two-shoes. It's Christ's power living through us. That's what breaks the bondage of sin. If you're here today and you've got some kind of bondage to to some kind of sin, bad habit, or something. Christ can break that. But you need to give Him your body. It's something you need to do every day. You present yourself every day. You do this, and it won't be long before you're walking uprightly. And when you're walking uprightly, then God will begin giving you all good things. One reason why some Christian people, born-again Christian people, uh, are struggling is because they're not walking uprightly. And the reason they're not walking uprightly is they're not giving their body to God in order to walk uprightly. Well, how, how can I do that? I mean, I've got problems. How do, I, how do I give my body to God? There's, there's resistance in the way. I know there is. And I'll show you, if you turn to the right and go to the book of Hebrews, go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12. Chapter 12. Now, remember, folks, I'm trying to encourage you and to build your faith so that you walk out of here with stronger faith, more confidence and belief and trust that, yes, God is able to do great things in my life and in our church. Hebrews chapter 12, and I'd like you to please look at verse 1. I'll get you to read that out loud with me, please. Verse 1 of chapter 12 of the book of Hebrews, let's do it. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, the Bible says here to lay aside every weight, things that hold you back. Some of you have done running, maybe long distance running or marathon type of running, and you know you wouldn't want to do that kind of running with great big heavy clothes on and great big winter boots on your feet. You want to get down to as few clothes as possible and still be decent, not get arrested. And you want to lay aside any weight. You've got heavy things you normally carry. You won't carry them when you run the race. You lay them aside. You know that. It's common sense. They're like sandbags that hold you down. A number of years ago when we were in in Ottawa, we uh, uh, were talking with a man who used to make commercials the kind you see on TV. And he was in that industry. And so um, he was telling us about different parts of it. And then he told us about the sandbags. And they used these sandbags, and he showed them to us. And they were, I guess, about that size there. And they would put them down on the base of their tripods in order to hold the lights up or hold the microphones or hold a curtain up or something like that, these big sandbags. And uh, then he jokingly said, you know, that uh, I, uh, I took some home once uh, because you know I was having trouble with my boy. He's too ac- anxious and active and running around. I put these sandbags on him, and he kind of, eh, lay there on the rug, and he couldn't move. I said, really? And I, I called over one of the boys of the church, who was a little bit that way. And I said, hey, Jason, come on over here. And so, uh, oh, what do you want? Well, just lay down there. We want to try something. So he lays down, and we put these sandbags on him. Okay, Jason, try and get up. He couldn't budge. That kid couldn't move. And it was a strain. Ah, 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 and we had a good laugh. And we, we did it, take the sandbags off, all right? So we just didn't leave them there. We actually helped them. But the point is, sandbags in our lives are like besetting sins. They can be bad habits. And sometimes those things are really raunchy. And I'm not going to get into a shopping list of them, but it can be things that, with the mind or things with the body, places you go things you watch, things you get involved with. And these things are like sandbags and will prevent you from being able to run the race. And you have to lay those aside. But I've tried, you say. Well, maybe that's the problem. You've tried. You need God's help. You see, there's, there's our connection right back to God. God, I can't get these sandbags off. Well, give me your body and I'll see what I can do. Ah. Why don't you give God your body? Okay, God, I'll give you my body. That's everything about me, God. I'll give you my body. I'll give you my soul. I'll give you my spirit. Anything you want, I'm going to give to you right now. You do that and then start praying, God, help me now. Help me, please. Develop a prayer closet. Did you know that you can survive the prayer closet, but your sin cannot? Go into the prayer closet sometime and really have a time with God. Your sin will die. It'll scream agony and die and gasp. Your sin can't, can't exist in close with God. You get in close with God in your prayer closet, you can survive and you'll thrive. Your sin will wither and die. That's what you want. You know the feeling sometimes you have after church when you've been to a glorious church service and you feel close to God? That's what you want to get every morning in your prayer closet. That's what your prayer closet's for. And that's what will give you the ultimate victory over these things. And before you know it, the sin is broken, the bad habit is broken, the chain has been broken. And you'll really feel free, freer than you've ever felt in your life. And it's nothing really you've done. It's what God has done for you and through you. That's why I believe in the power of God more than I believe in the power of Alcoholics Anonymous. I believe in the power of God more than I believe in the power of, of uh, the, the addiction, the, the drug, uh, drug anonymous, or put in anything you want, greed anonymous, pornography anonymous, any of those things. Any besetting sin, I believe in the power of God more than I believe in the power of man. You stand in front of a mirror and say, you're not so bad, you're okay. You're as good as the rest of them. You'll get through, buddy. Keep your chin up. All this self-help stuff. That's nothing. That, 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 that's like trying to get a murderer you know, to teach you how not to murder. That's, trying to, that's like trying to get a rapist to teach you how to get victory over pornography or something. Get rid of that stuff. Go to God. Get God's power through you. That's what will clean you up. That's what will break any fetter, any chain whatsoever. Remember, Psalm 84.11. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Proverbs 28.10 says, The upright shall have good things in possession. Uprightness is the key. I ask you, are you walking uprightly? Do you have sins that you love to get involved with? Do you have a closet full of skeletons and you know they're not right? Only God can really clean out a closet. Only God can break these these things. D. L. Moody was one of the great greatest evangelists. He died in eighteen ninety nine. In the last year, in his last year of life, after he preached the sermon on Psalm 8411, he preached that a sermon on that psalm. No good thing will God uh, with, uh, withhold from them that walk uprightly. A woman came to see him after the service and said, Mr. Moody, I wish you would pray for my husband. He's not saved. And Moody said to her, I'll pray for him on one condition. She said, what's that? Are you living up to the conditions Of Psalm 84.11. Have you been living uprightly? And she bowed her head and said. No I'm afraid I haven't. He said well will you get on your knees now. And ask God to forgive your sins. And promise him. That in his power you'll live for him. You'll live. You'll live his will through your life. She got on her knees. And she prayed and asked God to forgive her. And asked God to help her to live an upright life. And then Moody prayed. He prayed earnestly for this man's salvation. The next night, the man came to the meetings and he was saved. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. That's the power of this. Listen, I say unto you, the time has come for us as a church family to rise up in faith, to ask God for a million dollars. It's not, folks, understand this. That building up on 104... The land alone is worth $8 million. The building is worth at least another $20 million, And the building has to be brought up to standard. That's going to be the biggest challenge. You get into the promised land, there's battles in the promised land. I hope you know that. Read the book of Joshua someday. There's battles in the promised land, but in the strength of the Lord, you'll overcome. It's not how much money we have. It's how much faith we have. That is the secret. This is the victory that overcometh the 104 building. Even our faith. So don't be thinking, oh, well, we can't afford that. I know that. I could have told you that. Oh, it's too big for us. I know that. I could have told you that. The promised land was too big for the Jews when they first went in. They couldn't afford it either. But it's where God wanted his people. And God will drop an enormous rock in the pond if he gives us that building. All of Surrey will know about the God of Grace Baptist Church. They'll know because we'll, we'll take out full page ads in the newspaper. They'll know because we'll blaze it on the radio. All of Surrey will know. And we'll just tell them God gave it to us. The whole city will hear about the Lord. Time to rise. Rise up in faith. Ask God to give us that building. If you have not yet driven up, what's keeping you back? What's holding you back? Go up there, 14178, 104 Avenue. Drive around the building. You just got to drive around once. Look at it all. Park. There's lots of places to park. Bow your head and pray. Lord, I want that building. Lord, I want that mountain. For your glory. pray. what if I'm not sure if I'm not sure if that's the building, then pray, Lord, if it be your will, give us the building. But go and take a look at it and then pray, that's part of your job. Otherwise you're doing nothing than just going along for the ride. Now, that may sound pretty rough. I'm sorry if that sounds rough, but I'm trying to provoke you to good works. So I'm trying to encourage you. I'm trying to be a little bit of a burr under the saddle. Let's get going folks. We got the promised land up there. Let nothing hold us back. Let's say Geronimo and get going and see what God's going to do. Get on the bandwagon and ask God what you can do to help to give to help us to raise a million dollars. We want to make that as our offering to the to the owner. And if God gives us favor in his eyes, he'll take it. And it's as simple as that. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. We're going to have an invitation in just a moment. I want to encourage you to come on the invitation and pray and say, Lord, increase my faith. Lord, help my faith. Maybe you've got some problems in your home or in your heart that you need help with. Lord, increase my faith so that I can overcome these problems. Maybe you're wondering, I don't know, I I don't make very much money, I owe money, can I actually ask God to give me money so I can give it to the building fund? The answer is yes. The answer is yes. But it's to be done by faith. Come and ask God today to increase your faith. Maybe it's been a long time since you came forward on invitation. Maybe you're not used to coming forward on invitation. Maybe you don't even know what an invitation is. Here it is. I invite you to come forward at at the end, as we're in prayer, others will be coming. You watch them. Just get out and follow them. Come to the front. Get on your knees if you possibly can. And ask God to increase your faith. And ask God also at the same time to help you to give Him great glory. If you have a struggle in your heart or home or something, you can pray about that. Listen, maybe you're here today and you're still lost in your sins. And if you died, if you suddenly died, you'd be lost in hell. My friend, you need faith to be saved. You need faith to believe the gospel that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again. You need faith to believe that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You need faith to believe you're a sinner. You need faith to repent of your sins. God commandeth all men everywhere to repent. You need faith to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. That's the promise of Jesus. You too should come on the invitation, my, my lost friend, and pray and ask God to save you. Let's stand to our feet now, please.